0: I was visiting with some of our friends this week in the nursing home up in Chrisman. Got to spend a little time with them and try to offer some encouragement. It, it amazed me as we were talking how the conversation moved to music and songs that we've loved for years. I'm talking like really old stuff and one hit wonder kind of stuff, but songs that have stuck with you over the years and and they've always made an impression and they always kind of bring you back around. I've got songs like that. Maybe you've got songs like that too. In fact if you looked at my phone, you could find a playlist of songs that I've been working on for years, developing that playlist. You'd find stuff like you'd find stuff like uh, The Joker by the Steve Miller band on that song on that playlist. You'd find Drift Away by, by Dobie Gray is on that playlist. Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie is on that list. And, and stuff is as recent as, say, All-Star by Smash Mouth, which has got to be about 25 years old now. But stuff like that is on that playlist. And, and it, when, in those moments... When when I'm feeling down in those moments when I just need something to pick me up and take me back to those times when, when everything just seemed right, I, I'll put that playlist on and I'll listen to it. These are all my favorite songs and I'll be driving down the road and I'll hit the button for that playlist and the first song will come on and I will hit skip, 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 skip. Because it's not the song I want to hear. Skip, skip, skip. Ah, there it is. There's the one. And then as soon as that song is over, skip, 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 skip. And I keep going. I can't stress, they are all my favorite songs. And yet 80% of the time, that's not the song I really want to hear. Yeah, it's a favorite, but that's not, the, that's not my real favorite. This doesn't fit right now. And so I'll skip, skip, skip those songs. We're making our way through the Psalms this summer. And I've chosen the imagery of a, of a playlist for us as we read through the psalms and work through the psalms and worship through the psalms. And, and we would say we love the psalms. We would say that we love all of these. But if we were honest with ourselves and we go to read the psalms, we would skip, 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 skip. Oh, Psalm 23. Ah, oh, I love this one. And then skip, 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 skip. Oh, here's 136, yeah, 139. That We love those I don't want to do that. It's kind of why I've chosen the outmoded, outdated image of a cassette tape for you. Because if you grew up in that era of cassette tapes, you know you could skip, but it was a lot of work. You hit that fast forward button and you think that's about right. You hit it. Nope, that's not right. You gotta go a little further. Then you gotta back it up because you went too far, and you're just better off to leave it alone and let the songs come as they may. Psalm seven is one of those psalms we might be tempted to skip. If you're using those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 450. If you want to follow along with the Bible app, the, the psalm is listed there in the Bible app for you. I can tell you with 100% certainty after doing absolutely no research at all, that there is no one in the history of all mankind, of the history of all Bible readers throughout all the ages, there is no one who has ever said, Psalm 7 is my favorite psalm. But oh, We would be tempted to skip this psalm, and yet there it is. And if we follow the Psalms, it's here this week. And if I am trusting the Holy Spirit to lead us through the Word, and if I'm trusting Him to bless the reading of His Word, then I have to believe that the Holy Spirit is not calling us to skip, 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 skip skip this one until we get to a favorite. Because I read this psalm, I get the impression that David, the author of this song, David, he would have rather skipped this one. He would have rather not had to write Psalm seven. You read that; you get that impression right from the very heading. Before verse one, the heading: Psalm seven, a shigion of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. Now here's the thing: Who was Cush, the Benjamite? We have no idea. What did Cush the Benjamite say that inspired Psalm 7? We don't have a clue. The, the historians of the Bible, those who curated the books of, of Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, the books that tell us about the childhood of David, the reign of David, the problems of David, and the death of David, no one in those books tell us anything about Cush the Benjamite. His words are lost. And we know that David was not loved by the Benjamites. Saul, the king that preceded David, Saul was a Benjamite. And when David ascended to the throne, the Benjamites were out and they never really got over that. But Cush, what did he say? The Bible doesn't say. That's what life's like though. Life's just like that. You you know, those moments that are important. Those moments that ought to be noteworthy, those moments that are historic, those moments uh, that come along that are worthy of remembering that we ought to hold on to, they come along, but what, what is it that you and I remember? What do we hold on to? You and I, we lay in bed at night and we lose sleep and we fume and we stew because somebody said something about us and it hurt our feelings. Somebody said something and you took it personally. And I have to wonder if the words of Cush the Benjamite are just as simple as that. Cush said something to David. We don't know what he said. But David stewed about it. And he had those conversations. You've had those conversations with yourself, right? Where you lay there at night and you think about something that somebody said. And you say to yourself, what I should have said was this. If, if I ever get to talk to them again, this is what I'm going to say. This, oh yeah, this, this is, this is going to work. And David David thought about those things, what he, what he should have said, how he should have, how he should have handled it. He loses sleep. <clears throat> and the next morning, David is walking and he comes across to a friend of his and his friend's talking to him. And he says, David, you haven't written a psalm for a while. Are you working on any music? What, what are you working on? And David says, I'm, I'm writing a psalm. I've got a psalm right, right here. I'm working on it. It's gonna be a shigeon. We don't know what that word means either. <clears throat> it's the only time it's ever used. Shigeon, it it's probably a genre of, of songs, like maybe like you know, the blues is a genre or rap music is a genre, the shigeon is a genre, but it's the only time it's ever used in all 150 of the psalms. I'm writing a shigeon. And David's friend says, well, that is a bold choice. You've never done one of those before. What is this shigeon going to be about? And David said, it's going to be about what Cush the Benjamite said to me. And his friend says, what what did Cush the Benjamite say to you? You remember. David, that was years ago. Have you not let go of that yet? Are you still holding on to what Cush the Benjamite said about you? Now, obviously, we, we can't know that's how it went down. But we do know that Cush said something. And from the psalm, it was directed towards David. It was meant to attack him. It was meant to attack his character. It was meant to attack his, his integrity. But rather than stew about it and go through all of those, what I should have said was this, what I should have done to him was that, David pours it out before God the best way that he knows how. He pours it out with a song, with a psalm, with that heart language, that love language that God had blessed David with. David, this is how you speak from your heart to mine. And so in doing so, David blesses us because he puts, words to our hurts. He puts a prayer to our pain and the hurts that we've felt from the words of others, words of others that have wounded us. In verses one and two, O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me, lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it to pieces with none to deliver. A lion you remember when David was going to go up and fight Goliath the giant and before he goes to fight Goliath he meets with Saul the king and all of his generals back in Saul's tent and they ask him young man what are your qualifications for being a giant slayer and David said I'm not a giant slayer I'm not a not a warrior at all I'm a shepherd boy but when I would be protecting my father's flocks and if a lion came along and snatched one of the sheep, I would chase him down and I'd get the sheep back. And if the lion turned and attacked me, I would grab him by the beard and I'd strike him down and kill him and I will treat this Philistine just as I treated those lions. And the generals all looked at him and said, you're our boy! And sent him out against the giant. This isn't that kind of lion, though. This isn't that kind of danger if you notice in verse 2 this lion is not tearing his flock apart this lion is not physically harming David rather it's tearing his soul to pieces words have that kind of power don't they we we allow words to have that kind of power somebody says something about you somebody says something about me and it will rip into your soul. It will tear your soul apart from the inside. Jesus' brother tells us that. James chapter 3, verse 8, the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And I maintain that if James was writing that today, he would say the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So are your fingers. So are your thumbs. The things that you say without your tongue, the things that you say behind the protection of a keyboard. David has been wounded by words, I should have said. Oh, if I ever catch that the Benjamite. But instead, he turns to God. He pours out his heart. He pours out a song, pours it out of his wound. And we shouldn't skip what David does for us here. What he finds when he pours out his heart and his hurt when he pours out his heart and his hurt to God, he finds the same confidence that you and I can have. And that's the confidence that despite the words of others, God knows your heart. God knows your heart. The very first line of the psalm tells us what this psalm is. O Lord my God, in You do I take refuge That's what this is all about. David's refuge is not going to be found in his own words, in his own actions, or in the retaliation he could have of those who opposed him. He turns to God and he says to God, in you I will take refuge. Did you know that in Israel, there were cities that were designated as cities of refuge? And if you accidentally injured someone... If you accidentally killed someone and their family, their friends were coming after you for vengeance, they were going to come after you and, 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 and pay, pay you back, you could run to a city of refuge. And if you made it to that city of refuge, they could not harm you. It's just like when we used to play tag and you'd reach the old tree and you're like, aha, I'm home free. I'm on the tag. You can't get me because I'm on the, I'm on home base. If you reach that city of refuge, you were, you were safe. Here's a very important distinction you need to know though. It didn't matter if you were guilty or innocent. It didn't matter if you had done it on purpose or if it was just an accident. You were safe in a city of refuge. Your accuser could not drag you out. Your accuser could not lynch you and kill you. You would get your day in court. And so David is asking God to be his refuge, and he pours his case out before God. Look at verses three through five. That's where he pours his case out. Oh, Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. And just a few verses later in verse 8, David says, the Lord judges the people. There it is. The Lord judges the people. That's the word we love. You ask the average person on the street who's never read the Bible if they can tell you anything that the Bible says. And you know what the number one answer is going to be? Someone who doesn't know anything about the Bible, do you know what they know it does say? Judge not. Judge not lest you be judged. You can't judge me. That's what the Bible says. Only God can judge me. And we say that defensively. But David says it with trust. He is going to trust God to know His heart. We talk about judgment, and so often we speak of judgment with this negative connotation. We speak of judgment as though it's only for the guilty. We speak of judgment like it's only for those that have committed crime or committed some offense. Ha ha, you're going to get yours. You'll get your just due. You'll get that. They'll get even with you. But David, I'm afraid too much of that, that attitude, that negativity about judgment, too much of that comes from our culture. Too much of that comes from our, our heroes, the scoundrels that we tend to worship these days. But for the innocent, for the innocent... The judge is your Savior. The judge is your rescuer. The judge is the one who hears your plea. The judge is not blind to your need. The judge knows your heart. And so in verse 11, David says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Wait, that's kind of strange. God feels indignation every day? What makes God indignant? He feels indignation for you. Those times when you're hurt. Those times when someone has hurt you and you may just absolutely be numb from the pain. You know, those things that, that hurt you, God feels those also. Times when you've been slighted by someone's careless word and times when you have been attacked with a very pointed and barbed comment that is directed right at you to hurt you, to harm you, those don't escape God's notice. He feels them, just like you feel them. And he knows your heart. He knows your hurt. And when the words of others bring pain, there is refuge for you in the righteousness of God. We have no idea what Cush the Benjamite said. We don't know. We don't know what Cush said about David. We don't know what he said to David. It's just as as well that we don't. We have no reason to doubt David when he pleads his innocence. He protests his innocence. He lays it out before God. We don't have any reason to doubt David except, you know, we've read the rest of the Bible, David. We've read the the rest of the Bible, David. You're you're not as clean as you're letting on, David. Verse 8, The Lord judges the people. Judge me, O Lord! According to my righteousness, according to the integrity that is in me, David. uh, We read that thing about Bathsheba. We know what you did. We know you had her husband killed. We read about that time that you rebelled and you took a census and God killed a bunch of people. And David, you're you're not that good of a father. Your kids are awful, David, to be honest with you. They're they're horrible and you're kind of a mess. What righteousness do you have, David? We might find ourselves getting defensive with those who hurt us. We might find ourselves getting defensive well, how dare they. I should have said this. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. But in the back of our minds, we're probably thinking, if they knew the real truth, <laughs> if they really knew me the way I know me, I think about Steve Brown. I don't know if you've listened to Steve Brown, the preacher from Key Life down in Florida. He used to be on the radio a lot. Steve Brown was talking about a letter that he got from someone who was accusing him of all kinds of things. Someone who was just criticizing him up one side, down the other. Told him all the things he did wrong. And Steve Brown sat down to write this guy a letter back and then he realized, I know who I really am. And this guy's wrong, but he has no idea what I've actually done and what I've actually thought. And Steve Brown sat down. He wrote a letter back and he said, buddy, you don't know the half of it. (laughs) You don't know the half of it about how bad I really am. The refuge that you need is not just from the condemnation that's out there. The refuge you need is from the condemnation in here. You are your worst critic. You are your worst judge. And so David gets to where you and I have to go and he realizes it's not about my righteousness. It's not about how good he is. Because even on his best day, he has failed. He has fallen. He is sinful. And so he turns from his own defense and he turns to the one who knows his heart better than anyone else. The one who knows him and even at his worst, he still loves him. He And He still loves you. And in verse 9, David says, Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end. And may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and the hearts. Oh, righteous God, my shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge. A God who feels indignation every day. David cannot stand in his righteousness alone. He has to stand in God's. And he has to let him shield him from those people who would tear his soul apart. I don't know what Cush the Benjamite said. that got David all worked up. I think that's for the best. I love what Dr. Wayne Dyer said said, and I've done my best to try to live by these words from Dr. Wayne Dyer. What other people think of me is none of my business. And at the end of the day, we don't have the words of Cush. Those words are gone. Just like all the words that have hurt you and all the words that have hurt me. And instead, we have a song from David who shows us the one whose opinion about us matters matters. David turns to God who has given him refuge, who has heard his case, who has been his shield. And in verse 17, David sings, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. There will be a lot of moments in your life when others will wound you with their words. And you will want to skip, 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 skip. Don't listen to that. But don't skip this. In the end, it's not about David. It's not about you. It's not about me. David gives thanks to God for his righteousness, for who he is, and how he loves him, how he loves you. And there in verse 17, I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the most High, the name of the Lord the Most High. The name that is above every other name. And when you and I look to God, when you and I know that kind of righteousness, we hear that name, and it's the name of Jesus. It's Paul who tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for our sake... He, that is God, for our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Whatever you've had to defend yourself against, whatever has been said about you or to you that has ripped your soul apart, the One who knows your heart loves you, and He loves you for all that you aren't. And He gives you all that He is. He is your refuge. He is your righteousness. Don't don't skip that. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And we'll take it together. Let's pray. Oh Lord, Most High, name above all names, our righteousness. Lord, we lay everything that we are before You. We lay everything that we aren't before You. And there are many times when we are wounded. There are many times when we come because we have been injured by the words of others. There's many times we come to You because we have been injured because of the words that we've spoken against ourselves. The judgment that we've had against ourselves. We lay ourselves before You. Knowing that You hear us. Knowing that You know us. and knowing. That whatever we bring to You is just filthy rags. And You will dress us in Your righteousness. And You will present us. You will present us before You, Yourself. And thank You for the way that You love us and forgive us. Bless this time together as we, as we take into ourselves the person, the character, the heart, the love, and the mercy of Jesus. And I pray that those we encounter this week who have been wounded can know the healing that comes from knowing Jesus because they've encountered us. It's in His name we pray. Amen.